You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is January 10th, 2019. My name is Phil Prossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Here with you at the midpoint of the season, you of course follow me on Twitter at omd. On today's episode of Lockdown Magic, we'll talk all about the Magic's loss to the Utah Jazz as the Magic have now hit the midway point of the season and are perhaps at their lowest point in the season. Another difficult loss and another uh, another opportunity blown to gain some ground in the playoff race, which yes, we will still talk about, but certainly it feels like the, the season is on the edge at this point. We'll, we'll, we'll reflect on that as we get ready to do some, some deeper reflection on where the Magic have been and where the Magic are heading here in the second half of the season. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Go check them out on iTunes. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Magic with the detail that we cover the Magic with. There's a podcast doing that for every single team in the NBA. Want the Jazz perspective on the game? Check out Locked On Jazz. Want to get ready for the Magic's game against the Boston Celtics? Check out Locked On Celtics. And in addition to the NBA, there's also podcasts covering every covering NFL teams, MLB teams, and college teams too. Want that leg up on what's going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the hiring of Bruce Arians? Locked on Bucks is your Locked on Buccaneers, not Locked on Bucks, because uh, that would be the Milwaukee Bucks. Locked on Buccaneers is your source of information for that. You can you can check them all out on on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just search on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. You can also call them up on your smart device. I don't know exactly know how they work because I don't own one. Don't really want to own one, but they're there. People use them. Uh, just tell your smart device to play Locked On and the team you are looking for. Things started out so well once again. The Orlando Magic moved the ball extremely well. Their ball movement was great. Their energy, their intensity, their focus was fantastic. You could tell there's a little fire under them after really getting beat thoroughly by the Sacramento Kings on Monday night. The Magic wanted this game. They wanted to go home on a positive note. They were not going to accept anything less, or so it seemed. The defense was good, not great. The offense was fantastic, exactly how the Magic need to be. They cut hard. They moved hard. They made open shots. They made shots. Things were looking great. Orlando took as much as a 21-point lead in the first half. They were... Playing very, very well, honestly, as well as they've played in, in a while. And it looked like if they could hold on, if they could play with that same intensity in the second half, they would cruise to a victory. Scoring 63 points in the first half against one of the best defenses in the league, the Magic looked set. But that's not how these things go. As Steve Clifford would say, 17-point lead in the first half is pretty meaningless in the NBA. And he's not wrong. But a 17-point lead should be enough to get a win, or at least enough to give the team a chance to win. It shouldn't lead to the kind of turnaround that happened in the second half. All that great ball movement, all that scrap on the defensive end to dig out rebounds and make deflections and get out in transition, all that died in the second half. Orlando scored 63 points in the first half and were cruising And in the second half, they couldn't buy a bucket. It wasn't just that they couldn't buy a bucket. 
They couldn't move. Too many times possessions were blown up before they even started. The Magic couldn't even get into their offense. It wasn't that the Jazz were, you know, that the calls stopped going their way. Orlando got to the foul line pretty effectively in the first half. It was a big reason why they built their lead. But all that penetration, all that ability to get into the paint just died. The Jazz were more physical. Their defense stepped up as expected. But this wasn't all on the Jazz. This was a Magic team that wasn't doing the same things that made them the leaders. And so when Utah came out and laid a punch, not literally, laid a punch to start the second half, which was coming because the Magic's defense had loosened up a little bit in the second quarter, although Orlando had extended that extended a 12-point lead to 17 to end the quarter. Utah laid down that punch and Orlando was staggered. Maybe it was the elevation. Maybe it was the last day of a long road trip, which is always dangerous. Honestly, I was super impressed and, and, and really happy to see the Magic take a 21-point lead with those external factors. It's obviously very short-lived. Because when Utah laid that punch, Orlando never recovered. Not at any point in the second half did the Magic resemble that team in the first. Not at any point in the second half did the Magic just play basketball, play good, solid basketball on either end. Not at any point in the second half were the Magic good enough to win. This season has seen this duality of the team where in one moment they look like they could beat anyone in the league and in the next, they are the worst team in the league. We saw them both in this game. And unfortunately... The Magic are not good enough to skate by like that. But, you know, I'll give, I'll, I'll say this. Orlando built themselves enough of a cushion that they could have recovered. Utah made their run in the third quarter. They took a four-point lead after three quarters on a 32-12 to third quarter uh, and a run that I think was like 17-3. to Utah laid a heavy punch took the lead, and with 12 minutes to go, Orlando still had a chance to win. So honestly, I'm not as disappointed that they didn't, that they blew a 21-point lead. That happens. It's the NBA. Everyone's got to run. This Magic team is what they are. That's not the part that disappoints me. What disappoints me is that fourth quarter. What disappoints me is in a close game, Orlando wasn't able to pick itself back up. That the resilience that we saw in the early part of the season to losing streaks, to, to, to giving up leads, that resilience was completely washed away. One play in particular stands out to me. Nikola Vucevic trying to, at the standing at the top of the key, waiting for the Magic to run through their set not finding anything, and trying to force a pass to get the magic in motion. Sees it stolen by Raul Neto. Fucevic momentarily throws his hands up in frustration. While Neto speeds past him, Fucevic realized the mistake quickly and tried to get back, but it was far too late. Or another play. 
Aaron Gordon working hard on the baseline to save the ball to Evan Fournier. Fournier throwing up a quick shot. Not knowing the shot clock had reset. Missing, of course. And Donovan Mitchell knifing through both DJ Augustin and Terrence Ross who were half-heartedly trying to foul him for, as he dunked the ball once again on his way to 33 points in the game. What, what, what should really kill the magic is that they gave in to frustration, to everything, to, to just wanting to go home or whatever it was. They looked like they gave in. And that's not going to get the job done. Of course, it's not going to get the job done. It didn't on this night. But it's going to make for a very difficult second half of the season. Utah ran through Orlando. They were more physical. They punched first. They beat them up in that second half. Orlando has to lick their wounds and find a way to bounce back. It was not pretty at all. For the Magic. Again, stagnant offense. Defense lost communication with everyone. Shooters were constantly left open. There's a lot of over-rotation throughout the night, even in the first half. And Utah just had to be patient enough to break them down. Again, these are not the way the Magic are going to win games. And eventually, you could just feel that frustration take over. As it has several times on this road trip. Unfortunately for this road trip, three games, the Magic had at least a 15-point lead. Three of the five losses on this road trip. And it a one-in-five road trip here. Three games, they had a 15 or more point lead. All three games, they lost by double digits. Like I said, the season is not lost, but it is definitely on the edge right now. Tough two games coming up against Boston and Houston as well. But it is on the edge for this Orlando Magic team. And a loss like this stings, no matter the circumstances. The Utah Jazz defeat the Orlando Magic 106-93. to Just a, a, a frustrating, disappointing effort for Orlando. Leading by 21 at one point in the game. Giving up 52 points in the paint. And just, again, getting outscored 60-30. to in the second half after scoring 63 points in the first half. Just a, a disappointing, disappointing effort. Let's run through the final box score for you real fast. A few notable scores to, uh, to, to look at. Aaron Gordon, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 7 for 17 shooting. Early on, Aaron was, I mean, a big part of the reason the Magic got out to such a great start. Aaron Gordon was on point at the beginning of this game. Um, the, the broadcast talked about it a little bit. He just had a look in his eye that, that he was going to play well after playing so poorly against Sacramento, and he did. He was able to get to the basket, um, get, got to the foul line a few times, was able to really generate a lot of offense for himself and, and looked really good doing it, very in the, in the, in the rhythm, in the flow, uh, and, and he looked confident. Um, you know, I think there was, you know, there's one play that I thought was really interesting. I really kind of was intrigued by it, where Gordon did a dribble move and looked like he was going to be the one to attack. And then dished it out to Vucevic, who just flared to the top of the key, and Vucevic had an open three while the defense was kind of watching him. So I, I like that. I like that now he's playing that, that, that teams want him or expect him to be that driver, and they're loading up against him, and Gordon can find an open shooter. Uh, 
Um, you know, I don't think he would have done that last year. I think last year in that exact situation, he would have driven the ball into traffic and taken a bad shot. So he, he, he's still largely making good decisions. With the ball getting so stagnant, though, Gordon was put in situations where he had to force things. And he was forcing things. There were several times where he just over-dribbled in a possession. And really, the Magic all did this. It wasn't just Gordon. Gordon is a symptom of a bigger problem throughout the game where the Magic were just over-dribbling and really no one was helping each other. They weren't playing together offensively all night long. And Gordon's field goal percentage shows that. 7 for 17 is not good. So while I think Gordon played very, very... I think Gordon did some really good things. As the game went on, he was forcing things more and more and more and more. Um, you know, kind of sullying uh, what was, at least what started as, a good game. But, you know, that's really how the Magic played in total. Nikola Vucevic, 20 points, 8 rebounds, 8 for 17 shooting, 3 for 4 from beyond the arc. Uh, Vucevic put up decent numbers. We won't deny that. Minus 2, plus minus as well. So, you know, he wasn't... I mean, he was on the floor of the Magic were at least okay. But I would also argue that Vucevic was at the root of the Magic's lack of aggression and physicality. Rudy Gobert is one of the best defensive players in the league. He's a menace in the paint, and you could see the Magic, as they were trying to drive in the paint, they, were, they had an eye on him. And they, they really didn't want to test or challenge him much. But the bottom line is, when the Magic are struggling to score, when the Magic are struggling to get dribble penetration or get into the paint, the easiest way to get into the paint is to dump the ball to Nikola Vucevic. And Vuce will make the right pass, will make the right play. I mean, he had three assists in this game. He's he's pretty solid passer out of double teams. He's smart, and, and as long as guys are willing and, and making shots, the Magic offense works really well working inside to Vucevic and then back out. Orlando, as, as some people mentioned online, and I agree with this, Orlando needs a guy that's going to demand the ball and, and force the defense to reckon with him. The Magic don't really have that guy, but Nikola Vucevic is the closest the Magic have to that. So, they got to get him the ball. And this is partly on the coaching staff for not calling the right plays, partly on the players for not getting him the ball, but I think some of this is on Vucevic too. I thought in this game Vucevic was tending to go to his jumper too much, popping to 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 the perimeter, uh, and when he did get on the post, he looked a little timid going up against Gobert. Um, you know, he, he has good footwork. He's able to, to kind of fake him out and, and, and did that really effectively in the Mexico City game. But in this game, I did not think Vucevic was assertive enough in the paint. I do not think Vucevic was strong enough, was, was willing to take it at Gobert. The Magic's best, and honestly, when the Magic's best player is not willing to play aggressive and play physical, that's a problem. The Magic are going to struggle. And I think that's part of what happened here. You know, Vucevic was solid defensively. I thought he, he did some really nice things defensively. I've been really, really uh, uh, high and, and, and praising uh, what I think is the biggest adjustment that he's made is, is learning how to use his hands and use his length. A lot of people talk about uh, shot blocking, but Vucevic does such a good job getting his hands, keeping his hands up, putting them in passing lanes, uh, obstructing vision, you know, again, making it just very difficult to operate around him in a way that he hasn't to, to, hasn't to this point in his career. It's a, it's a really big advancement for a guy that doesn't have a lot of rim protection, just keeping your hands active. And he's, you know, not like 
Mohammed Bamba big, and, and I think this is something Mohammed Bamba needs to learn. Um, but you know, pretty pretty lengthy for for a guy his size. It disrupts the the defense, and so as long as there's some some impediment to the ball handler, he's he's able to do his job. And I thought he largely did. It was definitely knocked away a few alley oop attempts. You know, helped dig out a few rebounds just by, just by keeping his hands active, and he's been good at that. Mm-hmm. But offensively, he's got to be willing to be physical. He's got to be willing to go at players like Gobert, who Gobert's an all star. If Vucevic wants to be an all-star, he's got to play like it. He's got to be a kind of front and center in that way. And, you know, I don't think he was for the most part. DJ Augustin, 23 points, 6 assists, 4 turnovers, 7 for 11 shooting. One of the few guys that actually shot the ball effectively. was able to get to the foul line, had 7 free throw attempts. Orlando actually had 20 free throw attempts, more than the Jazz. Another game of the Magic had more free throw attempts than their opponents. So the free throw, if there's one positive that's come out of this road trip, is that the Magic are finding ways to get to the line more. Um, not enough, obviously. And I think a big part problem in the third quarter and the second half, really, the Magic didn't get to the line very much. Third quarter, they didn't get to the line at all. And that was a huge thing that was buoying their their offense. And, you know, Orlando's got to continue to find ways to consistently get to the foul line. They're still last in the league in free throw rate. They're creeping up on number 29, so they've made some gains there. But it's obviously not enough to turn the tide offensively because the Magic's offense has been terrible uh, for the last two, three weeks. Um, but at, but I, I thought Augustin did a good job probing the paint, getting in the lane, and and, and making shots. Um, second half even made some shots, but they did a good job locking him down in the second half. Uh, and that, again, they kind of cut off the head of the snake a little bit. Um, Augustin was was really good offensively, uh, you know, and just didn't have very many outlets. They did a good job keeping him out of the lane, and that just disrupted the whole flow of Orlando's offense. Utah just did a really good job just smothering Orlando making it very hard for them to move and operate. And and the Magic just had no answers. They, they could not create quality shots throughout the game. And, uh, uh, and, and, you know, shutting down Augustin was a big part of what the Jazz did in that second half. Finally, Evan Fournier, probably one of the worst games he's had in a Magic uniform. One point, 0 for 8 shooting, 0 for 4 from beyond the arc. May I score his only point on the foul line, and he's 1 for 2 there. Um... Cliff, you know, Steve Clifford said Fournier worked hard and had just one of those nights where he couldn't hit shots, and and I'll agree to that to some point. Um, you know, you know, I I think though, Evan Fournier is probably the one player where the Magic just absolutely cannot have him lay lay clunkers. Like he can have a game where he scores eight points, but he's got to be, you know, two for four, two for five, you know, two for four from the three point line, something like that. He's he's got to spread the floor. He's got to be able to make open shots, or this offense is really in trouble. Um, and it's just going to sink. Uh, and so Fournier missing all eight of his shots is bad. But what was worse to me was his defense. I thought that he was really poor getting around screens, enabling Donovan Mitchell to get downhill heading into the lane right at Nikol- Nikola Vucevic. Um, I thought that he was really bad at anticipating which direction Mitchell was going to go. So Mitchell would jab step him. He would overcompensate and overcommit to it. And Mitchell would blow by him. Um, there's just far too many of those instances throughout the game for the Magic and for Evan Fournier. I was really disappointed in the way he, the way he played defensively, um, and I thought that was a big reason why the Jazz were able to kind of get back into the game and 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 and, and really pull away because Mitchell just took over in that second half. Orlando shoots 39.8% for the game, 13 for 33 from beyond the arc, 14 for 20 from the foul line. They commit 11 turnovers. So. Did a good job there. Just 17 assists on their 33 field goal makes. Not a good ratio for them there. Utah shoots 48.8% from the floor. They're led by Donovan Mitchell's 33 points. Joe Ingles with 16 got himself going 
in the third quarter after struggling in the first half. Kyle Korver scores 11 off the bench. Utah pulls away from Orlando for a 106-93 victory, outscoring Orlando 60-30 in the second half. So, we are officially at the midpoint of the season. Orlando is 17-24, and two and a half games back of the final spot in the playoff. As I noted online shortly after the game, or a few hours after the game ended, as, as some of the emotions had calmed down, a bit of perspective here. At this point last year, Orlando was 12-29 and and nine and a half games out of the final playoff spot. So, I want to, before, and we'll talk more about recapping the first half of the season and, 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 and previewing what's coming up here uh, on tomorrow and Friday's episode of Locked on Magic. So, we still got a lot to talk about as we recap the first half of the season. But I want to preface all this by saying, despite everything, the Magic are five games ahead of their pace from last year. And still playing meaningful basketball. Last year, the Magic were done at this point in the season. Same date, actually, January 9th. Last year, the Magic were done. Finished. Season over. We're counting the ping pong balls. At this point last year. Today, as we sit here, the Magic are still in the playoff race. Two and a half games with 41 to go is not impossible. And so, yes, this is a low point, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Yes, this is a time of immense struggle and a time of reflection and determining which direction the season's going to go. There have been several points on the calendar that I've said, we'll know more about this team after the first road trip, after the Mexico City trip, after this road trip. And, and I would even say, I would even extend it out to, to pass the next two games. I, I, I believed and I, told, I would tell people, we will know more about this team then. And we do. And I'll get to that in a moment. But... If the reaction today is time to tank, give up, you know, give up on the season, I'm going to tell you right now that is the wrong reaction. So the Magic still have all of their goals in front of them. They're again two and a half games out of the final playoff spot. I think there are three games out of sixth in the East. Three three and a half games out of sixth. There's a lot of basketball left to be played. And if there's one thing that this team, Coach Steve Clifford and all the players have done that is very good, is they've made games like this and this road trip completely unacceptable. If there's anything they've done, they've changed the expectation and changed the culture enough for us to sit here and say, this is disappointing because we know this team is better. These losses should sting. They should make you angry. Because I, I hope they make the players angry. 
but there's still so much to play for. Having said that, this is a point in the year where I, I said, and I do believe, we would know a lot more about this team and the direction the season's going. And undeniably, the season does seem to be going in the wrong direction. The Magic are not learning the lessons of these losses. The Magic are not taking that next step. Finding the resolve to get better, the determination to win that they've experienced a little bit. This Magic team, and, and maybe others felt this before, but I certainly felt it watching this game against the Jazz. Certainly felt like this Magic team was still dealing with the scars of last year, of the last five years, of the last six years. Maybe it's just a negative thought that, that can't creep into your head at any point if you want to eventually succeed and break this devastating cycle. But for the, for the first time all season, as I was watching the game on TV, I looked out at that team and I said, they look like they're, they, they look like they're thinking, oh no, it's happening again. Changing a culture changing expectations, changing what you think you can do for, about yourself is extremely difficult. When the same thing keeps happening over and over and over again, you do come to expect it. It becomes habit. And just like winning is a habit that is learned through struggle, through difficulty, through, through all of it, Losing becomes a habit too, and it is the toughest habit to break. I can sit here and tell you that all the players that I've interacted with on this Magic team for the last six years, they take losses hard. They want to win, but they don't know how. And when the chips get down, when they're, they're having to learn to fight and struggle, that base of knowledge on how to do it isn't there. And like any human being, honestly, when, when you don't know how to solve a problem, you get frustrated. When you don't have the experience to accomplish the goal, you get frustrated. Maybe you get a little angry. Maybe you lash out a little bit. Maybe you recede. Who knows? But I can honestly say, for the first time all year, I felt that this team was having those same feelings. That that collapse is coming. That inevitable seeming collapse out of the playoff race is coming. The season is indeed on the edge. Because frankly, 
the Magic have a decision to make. Number one question I get still, and I'll, uh, the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag is open if you want to send your questions my way. The number one question I get still is, what are the Magic going to do with Nikola Vucevic? What can the Magic get for Nikola Vucevic? Should the Magic resign Nikola Vucevic? What about Terrence Ross? The trade deadline's on February 7th, four weeks away. And I've said consistently, the Magic will not do anything while they're in the playoff race that will hurt the current team. They won't do anything that will hurt the long-term outlook. They're not going to go out and grab someone just to rent them and make an eight-seed Make an eight seed cameo. That's not what they want. But they want to make the playoffs. They're not going to sabotage a playoff team. And so, yes, whatever the Magic do at the trade deadline, whatever strategy they take, they're probably exploring both paths of this. They've got to make that decision in the next two, two and a half weeks. These are the two biggest weeks of the season coming up to start the season, start the second half of the season. The direction that this franchise goes and, and what they want to ultimately accomplish this season will get decided on how the Magic play in the next two and a half weeks. And they're not playing well. They're moving in the wrong direction. What was once them sitting in the pole position over the, over the last month has turned to them chasing a crowded field. A field that has brought Washington back into the fold. There are a lot of teams to climb. But they're all tightly packed, so it's not, not over. And I think that's the important point to note. Yes, things look bleak. Yes, the Magic are back at this moment where their resolve will be tested. And the last six years, that resolve has not, has dissipated in this moment during the, the long losing streak. Magic now on a four-game skid, longest, tied for the longest of the season. The playoff teams find a way to end these skids and, and start stringing wins together. Now the tough road trips are done. Schedule quirks are largely over. Biggest impediment left in the season is the closing kick, I think, where they have six of their final eight on the road. So they got their work cut out for them. I'm not denying that, and I'm not sitting here to tell you the Magic will make the playoffs. I'm not making that guarantee, so I don't know if I believe it. I do believe this is a playoff team. I do believe that when this team plays at its best, they have the talent to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. And they're certainly too good to just tank, to just give up entirely on the season. And even then, even if they did that, They'd have to go on some disastrous losing streak to sniff one of those top four picks. Like I've told people who ask, why are the Magic going for the playoffs? I simply say they're getting the best of both worlds. They can go for the playoffs and try and win meaningful, meaningful games, and if they fall short, they'll end up with the sixth or seventh best lottery odds because that's how bad the East is right now. As I've said before, this is the moment of the season where Orlando has to decide what direction their season wants to turn. It's all in their power. Are they going to play the way they need to and win games to make the playoffs, make a playoff push? Or is this going to be the same as it ever was? 
the Magic certainly have a lot of questions that they must answer. I can't sit here and tell you who this team is or what this team can still accomplish. I can't. I wish I could say that we knew a lot more about this team still. And it's halfway through the season, we should know more. And maybe that answers the question. Certainly this road trip did not help inspire confidence. This road trip again, and road trips reveal a lot of character, this road trip again revealed how tantalizingly close this group is. And yet, perhaps, how deep those scars run. How deep those scars are of six years of irrelevance by just Christmas. Magic aren't irrelevant by Christmas this year. They've, they've, they've stayed in the fight and the fight is still there. But they've got to ship up and shape. They got to, they got to shape up because if the trends that we're seeing over the last two weeks continue, then this season will be over very, very quickly. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll be doing our second quarter MVP as well as our questions looking ahead to the third quarter of the Magic season. I'm sure I raised a few of them here. We'll, have, we'll talk about those in more detail coming up in the next few days as we do our first half review. Get a couple days off here for the Magic take on the Boston Celtics and the Houston Rockets on Saturday and Sunday, both games at the Amway Center. Be sure to check, the, be sure to check those out. Um, and we'll, of course, have complete coverage here on, here on Locked on Magic as well as on Orlando Magic Daily. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.